Soul, a podcast for a better you. Your host, Steve Hudgens, is a licensed professional counselor. On a non-emergency basis, you may contact them at area code 918-280-8690 or coachsoul.com to provide them with new topics, feedback, or to request an appearance on the show. And now, here's your host, Steve Hedgens. Hey, welcome back again, part two, excuse me, with Nicole. You know, it's uh, we we had a drop mic moment here and we were talking off the mic about mental health. Nicole, share with the audience uh, what they kind of missed out when I had muted everything for, for our segment. Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I'm a huge mental health advocate and I know a lot of people consider themselves such and it's great because we need all the support we can get. But really, it starts with the people who live it. And I say that because, and some may disagree, a lot of people say that, you know, there's a stigma. There's a stigma about mental health, about mental illness, about bipolarness. That stigma, as far as I'm concerned, is me. It starts with me. Mm. If I view myself as a broken person, I give you permission to view me as a broken person. Explain that a little bit more, Nicole. Sure. Somewhere along this journey, of these last nine months, from writing in that very first book to now, where I just finished chaptering in my third number one international bestseller, this month, I... I didn't learn to just face, I learned to embrace. I embraced everything about my bipolarness. It's in my blood, it's in my bones, it's in my flesh. It is me. It's just not an appendage hanging off of me. It's me. And there are a lot of strengths that I could draw from that. I did a beautiful article on how I use my bipolarness as a guide to my writing. Mm. How so? You know, I think one of the things that people don't um, get sometimes, when you are bipolar, you have such ridiculous highs and such ridiculous lows. That depth of emotion, if you can find a way to express it, and in my case, it's through my writing, you are not only releasing what is inside of you and healing with every word that you write, but my God, the people that are going to read what you have written, they're going to start seeing that, you know what? She struggled, she overcame, she's doing it. I have to start somewhere. And it's got to start with me. And it's got to start with changing the way I think about myself and my illness. That is a great value to bring to the table about how you think, right? And what you present. And and the question that comes to mind, because in writing, I, I, I didn't know what to write. 
I was approached with my first anthology with a line. <laughs> and it was in 2022 in August that I was attacked by three different types of bacteria that uh, I Ooh. nearly died. And that was about the book. And what really struck me to write what I did is because when I ended up in ICU, there's an 80 year old woman who was in the other room. Mm-hmm. And the nurse that came in about two o'clock in the morning says, hey, I got to give your meds. And I said, sure. And she goes, how about if I clean you up a little bit? And I said, please do. I'm like a fish. I'm beginning to stink. (laughs) Yes, please do. And I hear this voice behind the curtain. Number five is about to pass. And I asked her and I said, what does that mean? Do you have to go and do something special? And she goes, no. She's been in here since June. Now, mind you, I've got in there in August. No Hmm. visitors, no friends, no family. And that really impacted me. Mm -hmm. And she says, I'm going down there to hold her hand as she passes. So she knows that she's not alone. And that's what wrote my first chapter in a book called Aligned and being co-authored and and being able to have a number one international bestselling. Mm -hmm. I just, that really impacted me. So when you talk about embracing the you, That means all of you, but that also means we're not letting it to define who we are. We define who we are. So when you think about here we are, we expose ourselves to the world and we know we have our negative Nancy's. We know Mm -hmm. how we have our Karen's. We have our critics. How did you get past knowing that you have bipolar and the stigmatism that comes with it? How did you come out and bring the courage? Help our listeners to understand where did this courage come from to be able to lay your your soul bare for everybody to see? You know, I think truthfully, getting the help that I needed and feeling like if I'm starting on the same level as everyone and not six feet under gave me the foundation to start achieving things in my life like everyone else. And as I was able to accumulate those small wins, getting out of bed today, going to work, getting uh, compliments in work for work well done, uh, they all started to add up. And with that, I started to feel my value, not in an egotistical way, but now I was no longer a burden on the people around me. Instead, I was a help to be people around me. And, you know, a lot of this journey is very personal. I think I reached a point in my life where, yes, I, I went onto social media, and I will say that on LinkedIn, a lot of people talk about mental health. They talk about various things, right? But the, the overriding theme really is community and connection. And I see that no matter what industry you're in, no matter... Uh, what kind of content you share, no matter your age group. And with some of the people that I met, I felt a certain level of comfort Mm. in being able to be myself. And I think that a switch just flipped in me. I do not know how else to say it. I just went all in. I said, you know what? For so long... I have not been in control 
And for so long, in my mind, I'm going, how could I be so strong yesterday and then completely just be upside down today? Not being able to rein in those emotions, not being able to understand. Every day that I wake up and my feet hit the floor, it's a day I've already won. Yes. Okay. So I went on there and I said, I am going to be me unforgivably. People will come and people will go. I will lean. And if I fall, then I know those are people I need to walk away from. If I lean and I get caught, I know those are the people that I need to bring closer to me. It was the best thing that I ever did for myself. Not only would I encourage others to start with social media, because with social media, it's on your time and on your terms. In person, it's very difficult. You have to first be willing to get out there, right? Physically get out there, go to a library, go to a coffee shop. When you're online, you could do it morning, noon, or night. You could connect with one person and have a conversation, a deep one. You can connect with 10 people and have mediocre conversations. But the ability to be able to connect is there. And so the more you, you go ahead. So, so, so when you think about what you're sharing here, you know, some people may think, well, aren't you hiding behind social media? Mm, fair enough question. I'm not because believe it or not, my company knows, everybody in my company knows, my boss knows. And the large job that I was in when I went out on STD and came back and the vice president, when I came back, said to me, please don't say anything to anyone. Not everybody understands. I looked at him and I said, if they don't understand, I don't want to know them anyway. Or not if they don't understand, but rather if they don't want to try, try to understand. Right? Because that didn't change the value that I brought to the team. Because I brought the value to the team. So why should you ostracize me as a person? So this company, I have been very open. And there's actually another gentleman there that also has his, you know, situations to deal with. And they are extremely supportive. I work in an environment that I never even dreamed was possible. If I want to take a walk for 10 minutes, go. If you need to take a breather, go. You know, they don't stress. They are very laid back. Oh, business guests don't trust me. But we talk and we laugh. And, uh, you know, it's it's not just all about work. When you're in an environment like that, where you can open up and, you know, be yourself, it becomes every day now. It's a practice. So now when I do go out to other places, I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding. I'm in a place that accepts me every day with 14 other people in an office. I'm in so a crowd. In a... So what advice would you give to mm -hmm. someone who is similar to you or someone who is struggling about getting themselves out there? I can mm -hmm. identify because it's like I'm I'm a therapist. Right. But prior to me becoming a therapist, I was an engineer. I oh. was a manager. Mm -hmm. I oversee 120 different people. Mm. I did a bunch of different jobs in between and became a therapist because of some adversities in my life that, that moved me into the state. 
And I'm like, I shouldn't reveal anything. That's one of the things they tell us in school. Don't talk about yourself. Don't reveal. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be in a sterile environment with a therapist because I've been there. And I've had a therapist tell me, well, how does that make you feel? And on the inside, I'm thinking, I'm going to slap you and tell you this is how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't like that question. So I look at different ways of helping people to identify their thought processes. Mm -hmm. So when I think about, you know, you, you have a very good, strong environment but what advice would you tell somebody who who's listening that might be struggling to embrace who they are and to help themselves to get into a, a good environment that they create, mm-hmm. as you shared earlier? Oh, a tough one. You know, on a, on a personal level, it's a lot easier to achieve than it is on a professional level. You have a little more control of your personal environment. Um, you know, the family members that believe in you, that you can surround yourself with, and the family members that just say, uh, yeah, no, you're the black sheep in the family, bye. At work, however, you have to be a part of a team. You have an employer that you work for. And and no matter where you go, erratic behavior is not going to be looked upon very well. I think it's extremely important that you learn to understand your triggers. You accept that there are moments where you're going to have to say, "Mm -mm, mentally, I'm putting you down and I'll pick you up when I leave work. Or... There are those things in that moment where you're going to unfortunately have to write it out. Excuse yourself, go to the bathroom, do your deep breathing, and allow the emotion to pass through you. You have to let the emotion pass through you. And that has worked very well for me. And I've done it in private, in work, where I can let that pass through me and let it out. I let it go rather than sit on my desk and my face. Now I could never play poker. Trust me. You know, you could see everything written on my face. That's not where you want to be. And it's not that you're hiding. You do it to protect not just yourself, but the people around you. Because your aura uh, precedes you before you walk into a room. And how would you feel on the receiving end? So you have to figure out how to not control your environment, but control yourself within the environment. But you also have to understand when an environment is incapable of progress or change, or HR is not, um, you're not able to speak with them. Uh, They're not ruling out information They're ruling out information on COVID, but they're not ruling out information on mental health support, for example. You know that you're not in an environment that is is conducive to to your situation. And I get it. It's not that easy to just step away from a job. But it is worth your time to invest 
to see if there is something better out there. I want to try to work on something here. And if you don't mind me to readdress something here, uh, the when I talk to my own clients, I talk about words and how mm-hmm. words are important. Very. Like, why did that happen to me versus what were the triggers that caused this event for my response to happen? So we don't place judgment on ourselves when we ask the question, why? So when I think about the word control, I think about a knee-jerk reaction of trying to gain something back that we've lost. Mm-hmm. But what if we change the word that I need to manage? Manage yeah. being able to be more effective and patient and uh, just thought-provoking. If we have to step away, then we're managing the situation. Whereas if we try to control, we're in a panic state of reactivity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And those are the words that I was thinking. And when, you know, when we deal with mental illness, it's it's hard for people to understand that are not going through that. Mm-hmm. And it seems like we want to hide our emotions, that we're not allowed to have emotions, or we shy away from somebody crying, or we shy away from not being involved. You know, I I dislike seeing videos where teens or or people showing where two people are fighting and they think it's kind of cool just to record something, but yet not do anything about it. Yeah. Uh, I just think they need to be charged with accessory. I agree with you. Knowing what's there, because what if that person dies? That should be an accessory to a crime because you've done nothing to prevent it. Right. But we're human beings. We all bleed the same color, red. Mm -hmm. And whether we have a mental illness or not, we all see life in a different way. Mm -hmm. And here you are, you created a pathway unique to you. And just because we're talking doesn't mean it's a cookie cutter approach. No, it's not. Right. And there's things that each person has to identify with what works best for them. So it seems like you've had your moments of ups and downs of trying to figure out how to work through what you're dealing with. If you were to share maybe like New York's best-selling top 100 list (laughs) of what worked for you, what would be (laughs) the one thing that you can mention that works for you? Oh boy. I, that's hard. That's a hard one. I, you know, I'm trying to think of what works for me, but then I'm also thinking that opening up and sharing my story is the most significant thing I've done for myself in my life. This journey that I am walking, someone else is walking it behind me. And they need to know my story. Because if I could help them avoid a couple of the pitfalls, why wouldn't I want to? Somebody else is further ahead on the journey. And I'm able to learn some of the things that I've learned because somebody else told their story. That is what... That's what gets me up every day. Mm -hmm. It's that 
I have this burning passion inside of me to want to reach as many people as I can, to let them know that this woman that you see, that you think, my God, she's she's so accomplished and, and this and that and everything else. Listen, I have my broken moments like everyone else. Okay, I have my bad days like everyone else. And a lot of the people that do follow me, they see those in videos because I'll share. I'm having a hell of a day today because that's the real you. The real you is all sides of you. So putting your story out there and being as truthful to yourself as possible, you're going to see how much your life opens up. You know, my, my little nugget is this. Every night when I go to sleep, I die. And every morning when I wake up, I am reborn. I have the chance to start the clock again and start a whole new day and make everything about this day better than the day yesterday. You know, I appreciate what you shared because that's a valuable piece of learning. That if we don't shove down and push down our emotion, that if we just recognize where we are in the motion, give ourselves permission to be able to have that. If you think it's going to harm someone, then you step out mm -hmm. and let yourself feel that emotion until you're able to manage it again and you can get right back in there again. Exactly. And it's not about being ashamed about who you are or, or things that are there. You know, when I was diagnosed with 34% chance of cancer or living by 2021 due to cancer, I don't have it anymore. Oh. I overcame that, you know, and it's, it's a story. 30 years ago, I would have never be open about this as much as I am. And in mm -hmm. fact, my book, The Journey, Not the Destination, just published. And I am so happy that I... I took my journey, I put therapeutic aspect into it, and I put um, therapy, all of it, myself, everything into this book to share, to help people. Mm -hmm. And if we can leave a legacy of words, how much better would this world be if we were able to help one another? through what we face and not look down because, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can deal with that. Right. So any last words that you could share about the healing of words and the power that it has helped elevate you into look at this new business or this business that you created on your own? Um, You know, this saying of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know, we all grow up singing that when your parents, you know, tell you it's okay. Don't face down the bully. We're adults now. And we have to lead by example. And we have to lead by example for the younger generations. And the younger we start, the better the chance is that they would not have to, have to walk a certain life. Words 
Words have the power to make or break someone. And the closer you are to someone, their words have even more of an impact. I, I am, I am grateful for the moments in my life where I can give someone a gift of a smile, of feeling a proud moment, of giving them a helping hand up, or even saying, I need your help. Because we all need to feel needed. And the thing with giving is you are actually receiving. You are receiving because you feel good about it. Let's be honest. So you can't look to people and externals to fill your cup up all the time. You have to fill your cup up a bit too. So it takes work. And if you're not going to work hard for yourself, how the hell are you going to expect anybody else to do it for you, with you? You got to stand up and you got to fight. It starts with you. You have to love you. And you have to want to make the best of your life for you. Then you can help everyone else. And that's a great way to end the podcast because I look at when I was hearing you talking about words and as children, we grow up being bullies and how those words hurt us. All we have done is conditioned ourselves into being our adult bullies on ourselves, mm-hmm. And we need to be able to it. watch those words. You, you said it perfectly because you know what? Holding that judgment against anyone else is you being a bully. You know, as a faith-based person, we were taught that to turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we allow that other person to continue to hurt us. It does Correct. not mean that we stand there and take it. It does not mean that we just, you know, beat ourselves up. What I know to know in the context of turn the other cheek means to hold no resentment. No resentment for Not yourself. That. No resentment for the other person is how I read that in the context that it was meant to be. Because when we hold resentment, we're killing ourselves. We're killing the other mm-hmm. person. We're not able to live. You know, resentment is poison to the dirt. Nothing is going to live in the poison when we have resentment. Right. So, Nicole, thank you so much for uh, being with us again in this podcast and sharing part of who you are so that others can heal. Absolutely. I. It's been a tremendous experience sharing with you. I learned so much about you. And I must dash off now because I have to get my book. You know, <laughs> your book. <laughs> yes. The Journey, Not the Destination. It's It's a profound title, period. I can't see anyone not being drawn into wanting to know more. Two other books coming. That's going to talk about how do we attract people who we have in our life to the Mm. journey. The other one, I have to change the title because I I can't use the final destination because of the movie. (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> but the destination to the journey is going to talk about our aging, the power of aging, how we view ourselves when we're aging, how do we deal with our aging parents? How do we age around things with us? Oh my God. Because we're so afraid. Yes. And I even, you know, I, I think, well, I got 50 years of tread life back on me again. Mm-hmm. And so will I live to 98? And like that that's like, holy cow, I, that, that's another <laughs> 40 years on me. I'm not 58, but that's another 50 years added on. But it's like, yeah. okay, what do I do? You know? All right, guys, until next time, God bless. Thanks for joining us today. We hope to have you back next week. Until then, be safe and be kind.